Hey, so, so I want to talk to you this morning about something called trending. Trending. Anybody here tweet? Anybody tweet? Okay. Okay. Oh, they're all over here, by the way. All the tweeters. All the tweeters are together. Uh, so, so if you're, if you're not familiar with this, let me just tell you what's going on in the world today. So what people do is, uh, they express their emotions, feelings, thoughts, randomness, uh, through this thing called Twitter. Uh, and they put a little hashtag on things and they try to see how many different things can, can accumulate with the hashtag. And so basically this, when it, when it starts to happen and, and you get a lot of, a lot of the same things all around the nation hashtag onto something, uh, then it starts what they call a trend. So a while back, uh, Twitter went down. And so people that are addicted to Twitter are all freaking out. Ah, I don't know who to tell my thoughts to, you know, or because really nobody nearby really wants to know. OK, let's just put it that way. It's only other tweeters out there who will read it and go, ah, that was dumb. But um, but 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 the, the number one trend when when while Twitter was down, that was the number one thing that trended. And it actually was one of the biggest trends uh, on Twitter, it was all the people complaining about what they were doing or saying what they were doing when Twitter went down. I, I actually had to communicate with someone. Ah, oh, hashtag awkward, you know. Um, and so, so it was, it was all that kind of stuff. So trending, trending. People in business try to figure out what's going on in the world and what are the trends that are happening. Uh, so for instance, maybe you've seen this YOLO. What does that mean? You only live once. And so people do stupid things and they hashtag YOLO, <laughs> jumped in front of a car and jumped in YOLO. <laughs> uh, and so, so it's, it's kind of a throw off little phrase. So I'd like to change it to YOLT. You know, you only live twice. Hey, think about that. Just a little Jesus juke right there. But, um, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out. So a trend, just a general direction of what's what's happening, what's going on, uh, that kind of stuff. So I want to give you a few general trends in the world today. And these, this is all true, uh, and it's nothing profound, okay? So some basic trends. One, uh, we are more polarized politically than ever, meaning that uh, we just had these debates, Okay, and and a debate really should be something that helps us to make an informed decision. Uh, but actually, people are so polarized. I mean, you know, one candidate could actually not say anything whatsoever, but people because they're they're onto that party, it doesn't really matter. You see what I'm saying? And so so we're very polarized. So we, we're not as open minded. Uh, as we'd like to think, and we're not looking out necessarily oftentimes for the betterment of our country. We are stuck with an ideology and we're stuck there. So as a nation, I mean, we're really uh, probably the most uh, divided that we've ever been. Second thing is Hispanics are the largest majority uh, or minority in America. And I smile because I help to be a part of that. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. It's a trend that's happening. 
Uh, they have now become the number one minority. And, and again, politically or even uh, from a church perspective or a business perspective, you have to start thinking uh, of that community. And you have to start thinking, uh, what are we going to do? Do we speak Spanish? Do we any of these kinds of things? So, so that's a trend. Uh, there's more support for gun rights and gay marriage today. And honestly, I don't know why I have the two on the same line, okay? <laughs> I, they're, they're, it's just they both had G's. I don't know. But um, but there are growing trends. So uh, personally, like I said, uh, I, I, true story, and, and this is not a political statement, although I watched the Democratic National Convention, and there were such haters on gun owners, I had to go buy one, okay? So, and it wasn't because of political, but it was because whenever people tell me I can't do something, oh, bro, I'm going to do it. <laughs> people with guns, you're bad. No, I'm a good guy. I, now I got a gun. <laughs> Say what you want. Woohoo! You know? <laughs> But anyway, uh, so there's more support there. And, and that's, that's a growing trend. And, and honestly, uh, that is in all different categories across America. There are people believing, you know, hey, people should have the right. If they're, if they're gay, they should have the right uh, to be married. And that's a growing, growing trend. Uh, there's the rise of interracial marriage. Uh, interracial marriages are about 15% of marriages today. Uh, some of you growing up, uh, in interracial marriage, you talked about those couples. Those were those people. What about the children? Which, by the way, let me just say the children are beautiful. Oftentimes, I mean, <laughs> anyway. So that's just a different story. But um, but but that's on the rise. That is a trend on the rise. Um, barely half of U.S. adults are married. Uh, it's the lowest ever in the history uh, of our country. Uh, there's a lot of people living together. Uh, that trend is way up. And actually, uh, you know, so much of the cultural norms or the societal norms where people look down on that, it's, it's almost accepted. Uh, and people, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And people just are not getting married. So this is the lowest, uh, uh, time of the, of the percentage of marriage in America. And then finally, this most importantly, uh, most Facebook users get more than they give which simply means that if you're on Facebook, you get more likes on your stuff than what you give likes. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. But for those of you on Facebook, learn to be likers is all I'm trying to say, okay? But the trend is you get more uh, than what you put out. Now, that's just kind of how trends work. And that's kind of the, the, the general picture. But now I want to give you six what are called mega trends and these are six mega trends within the Christian church today. Are you guys ready? It's kind of like a little sociology class if you guys are good. But we're, we're going to get to we're going to get to it. Are you with me? Okay. I just want to make sure. Hey, by the way, I'm going to take a water real quick. Uh, t- oh, three bucks if you open it, dude. They get you every which way, man. <laughs> they tempt you, and then look at that. All right, so six mega trends in the Christian church. <laughs> the Christian church is becoming less theologically literate. Less theologically literate. Simply meaning this. We, we go to churches, people go to churches, and oftentimes people don't understand what is the theology of the church. Understand this. Every church has a base theology, Okay. This church has a base theology. Unfortunately, most people would not be able to describe exactly what that base theology is. A growing trend within the church, people will go, oh, it's a non-denominational church. 
Yes, it is. What does that mean? You see, the thing is, oh, it's a non-denominational church that believes in the born-again experience, believes in the Bible, believes in the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Okay, well, that's a non-denominational church. But then there are non-denominational churches that are non-denominational, that don't believe the Bible, don't believe in the born-again experience, and don't believe in the infilling of the Spirit. Then there are non-denominational churches that believe in the Bible, believe in the born-again experience, but that whole Spirit-filled thing is of the devil, <laughs> okay? And so, so the thing is, just that one label, we've got to get beyond that label. And you, as a Christ follower, need to understand what you believe theologically. So the trend unfortunately, is that we've become really theologically ignorant, okay, or illiterate. Here's the thing. We live in a time and age where, man, if you want to learn some of the basics of what the Christian faith is all about and understand what you truly believe and why you believe it, there's no reason not to be able to do that. But unfortunately, a growing trend uh, is that we're becoming more and more or less uh, and less theologically literate. Christians are becoming more ingrown and less outreach-oriented. So in other words, we're more concerned about the home base. Uh, Man, that we want to make sure it's comfortable for us, it's comfortable for our kids. We want bigger, better stuff for our kids. We've got to compete with McDonald's because, you know, boom. And, and, And that is not a beratement in any way, shape, or form. But understand, when it starts there and then it keeps going, you know, well, we need to have softer pews. We need to have this. We need to have that. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden, we start thinking more about us and we start thinking about this as our club instead of this as our factory to be trained in in order to go out and change this world. It's a totally different mindset. It's a totally different mindset. I, I, I love this church because, I, you know, this church keeps a, an outward focus. Your pastor is going to do something that most pastors do not want to do. Okay. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that there have always been people coming through. But we, you've got to understand that when we talk, when I'm talking about these mega trends, we're talking about the church in general. And there are more churches that have become more like country clubs than anything. Uh, and that so much and, and the majority of their money is spent here and not being given out. This has been a missions giving church from the very beginning. So I applaud that and, and appreciate that uh, very much. Next trend. Growing numbers of people are less interested in spiritual principles and more desirous of learning pragmatic solutions for life. Your best life now. Three steps to the best life now. Five steps to the best life now because the other guy didn't get those right and I've added two more, you know? And so everybody's got their, their steps to something, something pragmatic, something that's going to work. It doesn't necessarily have to be fully Christian based. Maybe it'll be Christian-ish. We'll throw a few scriptures on it, but we're just going to come up with something that works for how, uh, uh, things can make your life better. Uh, and so oftentimes people focus on that. Among Christians, interest in participating in community action is escalating. So there is a desire to want to be a part of what's going on in the community. Again, doesn't have to necessarily be Christian-based, but but you know, there's something we want to be a little bit more connected. So that's a good growing trend. Uh, number five, the postmodern insistence on tolerance is winning over in the Christian church. Tolerance. How many times have you heard that? 
You know, man, you got to be tolerant, tolerant, tolerant. That all of a sudden tolerance becomes the number one virtue. Can I just tell you something? Tolerance is not the number one virtue. Okay, understand what what I'm getting ready to say, and I'm going to really blow some minds here. Jesus was not tolerant. Okay, when people were caught in sin and when people messed up, he called it like it was. And you see, the thing is, tolerance is not the virtue that we are to walk by. We are to walk by a different virtue, and it's a virtue called love. Okay, Tolerance is low level. I'll tolerate you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not tolerating anybody. I'm going to love people. You see, the thing is, I may not agree with your lifestyle. I may not agree with your thoughts. I may not agree with the way you're living your life. But guess what? I'm going to love you. I'm not going to tolerate you. I'm going to love you. And that's going to blow your mind. You see? Now, but at the same time, I love you enough. I'm going to speak the truth. You know what? Your lifestyle is taking 20 years off of your life. Okay? That's stats. That's statistics. You know, I'm not going to tolerate you and let you do what you, you know, want to do without somebody speaking up. That's like being in a movie theater. It's on fire. Oh, I'm going to tolerate you. I'll slip out the side door. No, no, no. We love people enough to say, fire! <laughs> right? Now, only say that if there's really a fire. You understand you can go to federal prison. <laughs> but, but the thing is, tolerance, we, we, we are getting, and our kids have been so indoctrinated in it, it's like we're afraid to speak truth. But the thing is, we've got to learn how to speak truth, and, and that's in love. You see? And so, so I'm not called to tolerate. I'm, I'm called to love. And then finally, the influence of Christianity on culture and individual lives is largely invisible. And, and this is for a lot of different reasons. But I think the number one reason is because Christians have been so beaten down, we're, we're afraid. We, 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 we are the unprotected group. You know, you, you can protect everybody else, their, all their rights to speech and all this kind of stuff. But here in our own country, uh, where we've grown up and it's been founded on Christian principles, now all of a sudden you got to be really careful what you say. You can't pray, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's amazing. Uh, all it takes is a little tragedy and people want to look to God. Okay. Uh, and, and the thing is, I really do, though, believe that we have enough believers if we would rise up and truly be the salt. Uh, we, we could do something powerful for the cause of Christ, okay? But, but unfortunately, we, we've been beaten back. Now, so those are your mega trends. Those are your mega trends. So now here is what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about what our, our responses should be. I've got three responses for you uh, here this morning. Number one, I believe it's time for you and I to get serious about our lives. Now, understand this. When I say get serious about your life, I'm not talking about you just physically healthy, you know, all this kind of stuff, uh, all that. I'm saying spiritually, it's time to get serious about your life, okay? I deal in an education realm. Kids spend an enormous amount of money to get an education. Parents spend an enormous amount of money for their kids to get an education, and unfortunately, even Christian parents will cause that to be the number one thing that you're supposed to do. And we spend time and energy to learn and be educated and all of this. And that's fine and dandy. And I say, go after it. But guess what? 
That same energy is what we should put into developing our spiritual lives. See, the thing is, uh, you know, I deal with students that will um, oftentimes have to make a decision. Oh, my goodness, there's a Chi Alpha retreat. It costs $49, $49 for the weekend, two nights lodging and five meals. Oh, where am I going to find $49? Some concert comes to the Cajun Dome. Tickets are only 75 and I could be in the circle. I could be in the circle for 75. Woohoo! And it's easy to find that. Oh, I'm going snow skiing, uh, and that's only $678. But man, it's snow skiing. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the value thing. And, and you see, unfortunately, what happens is spiritual growth, we put less value on that than we put on this other stuff. Oh, you all is going to give me a plaque, put it on the wall. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> that means something? I mean, it should. I, I, I praise the Lord for everybody who graduates and, and goes after those degrees and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? The same energy you put into that, man, if we put that same energy into growing spiritually, you know something? I, I think we would have a greater influence in this world. So as a result of all these trends, I'm calling out to you to consider taking your life serious. The reality is there's not a single one of us that are guaranteed any amount of time on this earth. And we all think that, man, I've got more than, than this and all that. But, but, but the reality is if someone told you today, you have 100 days to live, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, are, are you going to consider where you're going to spend eternity? Or are you going to start searching out the bigger picture and what life really is all about and what's going to happen when you step from this life to the next? You better believe it. If you have any sense whatsoever, you'll start focusing on that. But the reality is we all think we have, we've got an unlimited amount of time. But the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking for every one of us. And that's not the good news I'm bringing to you today, but, but it is the reality. And the reality is, it's time to wake up and take our lives a little more serious. First, uh, uh, Timothy chapter four, verse 16, watch your life and your doctrine closely. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let me tell you this. The reality is, this scares the tar out of me. Because I can spend my life preaching and see countless people come to faith. But when it's all over, if I don't live this thing out and take care of my own life, what's it worth? Now, now here's the thing. That's not just to me as a preacher. That's to every Christ follower anywhere. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. So in other words, how you're living your life. See, what we believe at the core is ultimately what we do in the everyday. See, can I tell you this? When, when we start talking about the election and politics and all this kind of stuff, let's just be straight. Whoever's in the White House will not bring revival to this country, okay? Will not bring a heart change. Laws and, 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 and the administration of laws do not bring a heart change, Jesus walked the face of this earth and he and he alone is the only one that can bring a, a, a heart change. 
Okay, And so we want to see anything happen. It's got to be the believers rising up and doing it. But you see, the thing is, we're not going to see change if we're not allowing ourselves to be changed. And if we don't watch our life and our doctrine, understanding what we believe. Let me tell you this. You get into your faith. You start growing. You you start deepening who you are. Man, naturally coming out of your mouth will, will, will be the life of Christ. Second Timothy four three says, "For the time will come when men will put will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear." And that's that's going on today. It's going on today. Man, you will see churches blow up because people are hearing what they want to hear. Uh, and it's, it's scratching an itch, but it may not be the thing that's going to deepen people spiritually. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take your life seriously. Mark 8, 36. What good is it for a man to gain the world yet to forfeit his soul? What do you spend your time and your energy on? What do you spend your time and your energy on outside of work? I mean, I mean, what percentage of your life do you give to growing deeper in the things of God? You know, most people, man, we, we work X amount of hours, 60, 70 hours. And then, and then of course, then we've got good, good little habits or, or which is hobbies, uh, as a release because of all the work. And then boom, we, we've, we've given this much. I, I, I go to church every Sunday. <laughs> well, dude. Do this. Start eating one meal a week. Just eat one meal a week and, and see how hungry you get through the course of the week. See, most of us become so deadened spiritually that there's not a spiritual hunger throughout the course of the week. See, the thing is, if the only time we're eating spiritually is here on a Sunday and you're not hungry for the things of God tomorrow, something's wrong. I think we need to wake up. I think we need to take our life seriously. What good is it to gain the whole world but to forfeit your soul? I don't care if you make it on the cover of Time magazine. I mean, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. But what does that matter? I mean, you get to do this. You get to do that. You accomplish all these things in this temporal world. Yet you forfeit your soul. Dude, that's serious stuff. At the same time, we know this, the, the parable of building your house in the right place. We, we, we live in South Louisiana. You understand what rains, floods, all that kind of stuff, and about building on, on a good foundation. Spiritually, we've got to consider and take our lives seriously. Two, we need to take our families a little bit serious as well. We need to get serious about family. He, here's the thing. I really do believe that in, in our culture and in our country today, some of the biggest issues that we're dealing with is because of the breakdown of the family. Okay, And, and I'm not a sociologist. I'm, I'm just a born-again believer who has eyes, and, and I watch and I deal with kids that come my way. And, and countless students that come from broken homes or messed up homes uh, and, and, and really, man, are, have been set back so far because, honestly, of the stupidity within a home. And I say that <laughs> with as little love as I have, okay? <laughs> From this angle, let's be straight. Being a family, being a husband, 
being a father, it really isn't that difficult, but it is, it is, it's got its challenges, right? But, but you know, what I've learned in life is, is this whole little thing of just, just being steadfast. And that's a biblical thing. But learning how to stick and how to be in the home and how to be available and how, how to keep yourself there. See, here's the thing. We can get all up in arms about gay marriage all we want. But until we rise up and say, you know what? The God-ordained way that God established marriage, we need to be people who are committed to, to, to living that out. Okay, listen to what I'm going to say. And I know I've got people here, you're, you've been divorced, and I understand the pain of that. That was never God's plan, and that was never God's intent. Okay, thus the reason why it's so painful. I've watched it within my family. I, I've got my two brothers are both on their third wives. We go for any kind of family gathering, and oh my good, oh that's number two's kid. Well, who, well, no, they brought that one in. It was his, hers, theirs, and somebody else's. I don't know. I don't know who that one. I, I don't know. I don't know half of these people. Okay, that's painful stuff. I understand that. But everybody in the room right now, if you are married, listen to what I'm going to say. You must work at staying married all the days of your life on this earth. We need to rise up. We need to celebrate that. Let me say this. There's television shows I refuse to watch. I refuse to watch any show that berates a, a, a husband and a father. I refuse to watch that. I refuse to watch any show that berates a, a, a family that's intact. See, the thing is, we need every family that's intact to rise up. And as families that rise up that are intact, then you need to look, start looking for kids that come from broken homes. And we've got to bring a healing to this land. And we've got to be able to stand the ground and live this thing out Come our high water. Okay? We can complain about what other people are doing, but if we... Do you, do you, know, do you know what the divorce rate is within the, within the Christian church today? Within the Bible-believing Christian church, it is the same as outside. That's not right. That must stop. We've got to have young men and young ladies who will rise up and say, you know what? I'm going to commit myself to you for all of life. And you know what? It may be tough at times. Have you ever had an argument? Have you ever gone to bed being a little angry? Hello, it's called life. But you stay in the house. You work it out. We got to take it serious. We got to take it serious. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six through seven. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Mom, dad, you are the expression of Christ. And you know what? You don't have to sit down. And I'll tell you this, man. My kids, we would try to do a formal devotional time. And it was like demon possession 101. Okay? Ah! 
you know? So, so guess what? We're going to sit around the dinner table. We're going to eat a meal together. We love eating together. When you eat together, you talk. And you know what? I don't have to quote chapter and verse, but I speak it out. Oh man, I made this decision today and I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I share that with my kids all along the way. Boom, we're going to the store. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to live it out. Boom, 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 boom. See, oftentimes you get in a church setting, it's like, oh my goodness, if you don't have a Sunday school class in your house each and every day, you're, you're, you're failing as a parent. But that's not the reality. The reality is this is what he's saying. He says, you know what? Live your life. And in your everyday life, let your children hear why, why you chose not to look at that. Why you chose to walk out of that store. Why you chose to give back the money that they gave you on accident. Instead of saying, I was blessed. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so, so in everyday life, in everyday life, all, we're, we're instilling the things of God into our children. Let me, let me just say this. Family life. Family life. This church, <laughs> Brother Francis tripped me out when I first moved here. <laughs> I ran into him on a Wednesday, uh, uh, at probably at five o'clock or something. And a new church was at seven. And I was like, Oh, so brother Francis, are, are you eating before church? Yeah, I'm eating before church. He said, I tell people not to come on Wednesdays. I said, serious. He goes, yeah, you know, because I really believe that the family needs to minister to the family. And if they want to come to church, I'll preach, but I tell him to stay home. And at the time, he had more people on Wednesday night than any other church in town. Who Please come to Wednesday. If you love God, you will be here Wednesday. <laughs> I was like, he got that reverse psychology thing going on, doesn't he? <laughs> but you know, I think that's the core of this church. That's just not a name that they picked out of a book someplace. Oh, this is a, this is a trending name. No, this name was around before anybody else came up with this. And it was because it was the core of what this church was going to be was going to encourage families to minister within the home. And you know what? If we've got healthy families ministering within, then man, all of a sudden the church gets much stronger and we don't have to come up with all these programs to try to minister to everybody at every different bracket. Does it make sense? But let me just tell you this. The family is the core, but we know the fractured world we live in. And so then that's why I say intact families, you can't be selfish anymore. You got to start. You got to start picking up some kids. And you know what? Those kids may be college age. They may be kids that have wandered in here because of, of our outreach and they're here, but they need some godly parents that would rise up. Yesterday I had the opportunity um, for halftime, uh, Charles Tillman, who plays for the Bears, Charles was inducted into the Hall of Fame for UL. Charles uh, came to faith as a college student at UL uh, over 10 years ago, probably 13 years ago. Came to one of our athletic Bible studies accidentally, uh, gave his life to Christ on purpose, uh, was baptized uh, in the in the pool there at UL, had the privilege of performing his wedding, 
And uh, he's got three gorgeous kids right now and one on the way. And at halftime, one of his coaches, who is a born-again believer, who's no longer coaching at UL, he's a high school coach now uh, in Texas, grabbed him, hugged him, and looked him in the face. He said, Charles, I'm so proud of you because you're a good player. But more importantly than that, you're a godly man. You're a good husband. And you're a great father. I am so proud of you. And he says that, and Charles gets choked up, and we go get in the van, and I bring him to the airport. And I said, hey, uh, Charles, it was cool that your dad was there. He goes, yeah, my dad was there. But what was really cool was that coach grabbed me and looked me in the face and said what he had to say. He says, that really meant a whole lot more. And Charles had a good dad, but his dad wasn't able to verbalize these things. But a coach spoke into his life and made a connect and has been connected with him ever since. See, I think there's some godly coaches out there. I think there's some godly men that need to rise up. And, and we need to consider that. So we got to get serious about our own families uh, and, and understand that. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, the things that you've heard from me, uh, uh, or I didn't go there. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Again, it's where what I've got, I will impart. I see that classic within the home, but then at the same time, that is the basic discipleship principle that every God-fearing individual uh, should be able to walk with and understand. Third, final response. I think we need to get serious about reaching the world. I think we need to get serious about reaching the world. We've kind of mentioned that a couple of different uh, places here. Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I just really believe we as believers need to understand there's opportunities everywhere. Can I just tell you this? Personally, I thoroughly enjoy sharing the gospel anywhere I get the opportunity. Okay. Uh, I get, I, you know, so I get asked to speak to chiropractors. Okay. <laughs> Check. That's off my list. Okay. Uh, but, but, you know, I, any, any opportunity, people give me an opportunity. I, I like to share the things of God. That's really what I believe I'm called to do and that what, I, what I've been developed uh, and gifted with that ability. But you know what? More so than even in, a, in I'm not just talking about a public venue, but I mean, privately, dude, I, I'm going to look for an opportunity to eventually bring things around to talking about the things of God. I would pray that each and every one of us would, would understand that. See, now in order to speak it, you have to do what? You have to live it. You have to live it. Okay, so that's what we're talking about, taking your life seriously, taking your family seriously. You're doing that, and then guess what? We can no longer just think about that. We've got to think about the rest of this world. Our time is short. Our time is short. And what we're going to do for the cause of Christ and whether or not we're going to see this world impacted really lies within us. Each of us need to look at understanding what it means to genuinely speak the truth in love. See, 
Preaching has a negative connotation. Oh, bro, you're preaching at me? And, and you see, the thing is, I have people, I'm telling you, they don't know what kind of background I'm coming from, but they know something's different about me and the way I speak and the way I talk, and it's just, it's just boom. Why? Well, because I genuinely believe it's because I speak the truth in love. You know, I'm not going to berate people. You know, sinners sin. So I'm not shocked when people do stupid stuff. And and people expect me to to jump their case. But it's like, that's the least of your problems. In working with athletics, people blurt out profanities all the time. And of course, on the sideline, they blurt out the profanity. And they're like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Eric, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I, I just kind of trip them out. I, I lay a hand on them. It's like, you know what? Honestly, I didn't hear it, number one, because boop, got these little filters that God's given me. Those there didn't hear it. But understand that what's coming out of your mouth isn't your biggest problem. It's what's in your heart. That's really what I'm worried about. You need a little heart transplant. What's wrong with my heart, bro? <laughs> See, if your heart were good, then what's going to come out of your mouth is going to be good. So I'm, I'm not worried about your mouth. I'm worried about your heart. That's the problem. <laughs> say what you want to say, but dude, you're dying. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the thing is, we've got to be serious. We've got to be serious. I don't, I don't know where you live. I don't know how you live your life. But I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit knows it all. And, you know, whether or not you're just solely focused on you or not, this is something the Holy Spirit has to speak to you about. And I want to challenge you here this morning to allow Him to check you right where you're at. See, my, my goal in living my life is that I make sure I keep a good balance and that I'm doing the things that God's called me to do and that I'm investing the time that I have left to see this kingdom advance. Probably about five years ago, my daughter and I, and I've, I've shared this once before, but we were downtown Lafayette and I just kind of felt this numbness. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but basically this, uh, I had what they term a mild stroke. So... I am way too young for that. You can agree with me. Okay, thank you. I ain't that young. I'm way too young for that. And, and you know, to not have any long-term effects from it, I praise the Lord for that. I believe it was his hand on me. The thing that was really scary is I'm in this hospital and they're trying to tell me to, to uh, do something and when I couldn't physically do it, but then I couldn't verbally speak. <laughs> For a very verbal individual, that's scary. <laughs> what? I'm not going to learn sign language. Sorry. <laughs> ah! <laughs> sorry. But you know what? That'll make you think. That'll make you think. The reality is, relatively healthy individual. There are people that have taken less care of themselves. Dude, we, we all better be concerned. Eternity begins at any moment. What are you investing in? What are you investing in? Are you serious about your life? Are you taking care of your family? Are you taking care of your spouse? Are you wanting to reach this world for the cause of Christ? If we want to see a change. It has to begin here. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now that by the power of the anointing of your Holy Spirit, 
You know the heart and life of every individual here. And Father, I pray that we would take our lives serious enough to consider what it is that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Father, there's some people here today that, that you're calling them to make some radical changes in how they're living. There are people that are willfully disobeying you day in and day out. And your Holy Spirit is convicting them this morning that it's time to change. Father, at the same time, there are those that have kind of gotten lulled in the thinking that they're doing the right things and just kind of coasting along. It's time for a little wake-up call. Your head's bowed your eyes closed. Just out of respect for those around you. Is there anybody here today that would say, Eric, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but personally, I've never, ever made a decision to give my life to Christ. But I want to. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Is there anybody here today say, Eric, that's me? If that if that's you, just slip up a hand so that I can see it. There have been a number of hands that have gone up. I, I, I want to take a moment and I want to lead you in a real simple prayer. I'm basically just going to give you the words. It's real simple. But it's up to you to genuinely believe what you're getting ready to say. And basically this is that, that you want the forgiving power of God that he paid for you through his son, Jesus Christ on that cross. That you want to turn from your sin and that you're going to choose to follow and allow him to infill your life. So I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer out together with me. Let's pray together. Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. I don't want that anymore. Jesus, I believe you walked this earth and you chose to lay down your life for the forgiveness of my sins. And today I turn from my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my savior. All the days of my life, I choose to follow you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.